The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. I love Hello and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to the Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Mac19. And with me, as always, is co-host Fishing Rick 4 How are you, mate? Oh, I'm very excited tonight, Macca. I'm very, very excited. Do you want to know why? I, I feel like I'm in uh, new footballing royalty tonight after uh, looking late last week or early this week. Actually, it was early this week, wasn't it? I went to the Port Adelaide uh, website and there was this review by this guy called Craig Mackay. And I was like, who the hell is that guy? And then I put two and two together. It's bloody you. (laughs) Hey, I am with with football royalty. Oh, dear God. (laughs) What sort of plonker starts writing for the bloody website? (laughs) Jesus. I don't know. I feel uh, privileged to be talking with the great man. Oh, thanks, mate. That's very kind. No no dramas. Hard work (laughs) is finally rewarded. (laughs) <laughs> and we do, have an, we do have another guest on this evening. Um, it's his first return to the podcast uh, for 2014. We're talking with Tom Jonas's number one fan. We're talking with Noobzor. Hey, boys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm also a bit in awe of the uh, esteemed company I'm currently in. <laughs> I'm hoping there's an autograph in the mail for me, Macca. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Well, let's go straight into it. Um, we'll talk about our love and hate for this week. It's something we loved and something we hated um, in and around the Port Adelaide Footy Club this week. Um, Rick, I might start with you with your love. Uh, well, basically, it's a bit of a, an extension of the uh, tongue-in-cheek we just had there. Um, <laughs> well, I, th- I think it's great how the footy club has uh, extended itself to the fans and especially the big footy uh, community over the last year. Uh, you know, they opened out themselves up a, a couple of times uh, with the podcast, with interviews. Um, they've made an effort with fielding questions uh, from the Big Footy faithful and now have extended it to, to what they're doing with you. Uh, you know, I think congratulations to the to the footy club and I think it's a big honour for us as supporters to, to also be acknowledged as well. And I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of Big Footy users out there that are, are pretty honoured with the, the interaction that we're receiving. Yeah, um, I think it's something like this that really demonstrates that our footy club is a footy club. Um, The fact that there is that sort of interaction between both the people that turn up and pay money to watch the games and the club itself. I mean, it just reminds me so much of the traditional sort of suburban club that you see going around every Saturday. Yeah, it's it's definitely a great thing, especially I think ever since uh, Keith Thomas came on board, there's been... A real noticeable change in in how they've done things, um, and they have been a, a hell of a lot more open um, with us at Big Footy and and all across the supporter base as a whole. Um, and look, I'm, I'm very honoured that they decided to uh, to choose me to to put my reviews on the website. It's something that I never thought would happen, or or never really sought to happen. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a buzz, I've got to say. Yeah, speaking of Keith Thomas, I did did love that photo of him from uh, the inter-club trial of the bag of ice and he's having oh, a smile at the camera. So I mean, casual. That's just, yeah, that's just the epitome of what he's about. He is so casual. About now. Almost too casual now. It's crazy. 
<laughs> and what about your hate for this week, Rick? Oh, look, it's pretty boring. Uh, Macro, I don't really have one. I'm, I'm really pulling hairs here. And I guess my, my only hate is I, I was sort of excited about uh, the trial game uh, this week. And uh, and really, with all the uh, omissions, I was, I was sort of left a little bit deflated. And like I said, I, I'm really splitting hairs. Uh, I understand why the club's done what they've done. And I guess uh, we'll talk about next week, but it's more the exciting about next week. But at the same time, I was sort of, once I saw all the outs and I saw the scoreboard, I was, I was finding it hard to find motivation to uh, to even just watch the young boys. You know, we're getting pumped. and So, yeah, that's probably my hate for this week. Yep. Fair enough. And what about you, Noobs? Or what was your love and hate for this week? Oh, well, Rick's going to love my love then. Um, <laughs> my love this week was, it was the fact that um, the club made a concerted effort just to chuck the young kids in there to play footy. Um a lot of them aren't going to play league footy this year, and I, I think it was a great concept to just let them go in, play footy as they love playing footy, and see how they go, because now they have a benchmark of what it's going to take, and they can go back to the SANFL, work on it, they know where the bar is, and then if they start getting blotted through the AFL this year or in the years to come, um, I think long-term it is going to help a lot of our young players. And what about your hate? Boo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually very hesitant to use the word hate, because... I went in, I was pretty nonplussed about the game, I guess, um, and it's not really a hate, but I was slightly disappointed with uh, Mason Shaw on the weekend. He's, like, I know he's, he's obviously going to be putting effort in, it's his career and whatnot, but he just looks so laconic and just struggles to get involved. Yep, that's fair enough. He's almost a casual Shaw, we might have to start calling him, I think. Yeah, true, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Well, look, my love for this week was uh, Jared Polek. You know, we chased him so hard in the preseason. Uh, we, we got him. Um, there's been a lot of talk, you know, is he fit enough? You know, is he putting in the effort? I think going by his showing on the weekend, you can't deny he's got untapped potential. You know, so much talent. He's super quick. He uses the ball so well, like incredibly well. But the thing I loved about his game, uh, first and foremost, was probably the amount of tackles that he laid. He, he didn't shy away from the tough stuff as well. Even uh, had a bit of a go at Rory Sloan and Patrick Dangerfield as well. Um, there's a lot to love about Jared Pollock, and I'm, I'm really going to enjoy seeing what he can do this year um, and the and for the future uh, for Port Adelaide. Um, my hate, we're, we're doubling up a little bit here. Um, I'd have to say the fact that Shaw and Harvey had no real impact um, within scoring distance uh, on the weekend. Uh, no marks inside 50. Uh, they didn't really get in any sort of goal-scoring position. Um, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with that. Um, but obviously, they're both very, very young. They've both got a lot of time on their side. Um, and hopefully, they can turn things around uh, as the year goes on. Harvey, yeah, was play- uh, Harvey was playing in the ruck, though, a fair bit, wasn't he? Both of them did play in the ruck um, when Renouf went off the ground. Um, but they still had no real impact in the first half when they were both playing up forward. But then none of our forwards really had all that big of an impact either, I guess. Yeah, I think the problem that we had up forward was just the lack of structure and game plan and the lack of... I mean, we were losing quite badly in the midfield and that it, it was just slow, predictable inside 50s and you're never going to have a good day as a forward. I mean, it doesn't excuse a lot of what they did on the weekend, but it was pretty tough conditions for forwards. Yeah. Well, we might as well go straight into the review. Um 
obviously we played the Adelaide Football Club at Richmond Oval. It was a pretty packed house there. Um, I think the official figure was 8,500 or so. It looked quite a bit more than that. I think it's probably the, the biggest crowd Richmond Oval's had for many, many a year. <laughs> um, the final score was uh, 9 goals 5 to 18 goals 11. Um, goal scorers for Port Adelaide was uh, Paul Stewart and Aaron Young with two goals each, and then singles to Darcy Byrne-Jones, J- uh, Jasper Pittard, Benny Newton, Tom Logan, and Matthew White. Um, obviously, we had a bit of a skeleton side out there, a bit of a concerted effort to throw in all the reserves. Um, Noobzor, do you want to give us a quick review of the game? Yeah, um, I mean, I think this is a kind of game where you're going to take it with a game of salt. Um, Hinkley's obviously thrown in all of our young players in a sink or swim sort of situation. It was quite clear, to me at least, I don't know if it's true or not because I wasn't there, but that he'd sort of gone in without a structure and without a particular set game plan and he was just letting them play footy. Um, and I think that really showed. Um, as I said, you were having slow and unpredictable 50s and there wasn't a clear, concise, quick ball movement down the wings or through the centre much. I mean, there was a few instances of it, but... We weren't playing the style of footy that we were last year, and I think that's down to game plan and strategy, but it might also be down to the fact that we had such a skeleton side. Yeah, just uh, on uh, who we had out, we had our best three key position forwards, our best three key position defenders, our top two rucks, our best two small forwards, and also our best four midfielders. So we had pretty well 15 of our top maybe 18 players not playing. Um, it did sort of look like we weren't playing to any sort of structure, but whether that's because we had so many young players out there and they they might have been a bit overawed with the occasion or not, and they didn't quite know what to do or stick to the plan, I'm not too sure. Um, but look, yeah, it, it's pretty hard to sort of work out what to take out of the game, apart from a couple of individual performances, because there's, you don't really get much of a, a sign of how we're going to play for this year. Yeah, I, I think the main thing that I noticed was our back six, um, last year we definitely played uh, Broadband or Pittard or Heath or someone in a, a sweeping role. I mean, they'd float between contests and make themselves a nuisance and they definitely went one-on-one on the weekend. Um, and yeah. you could see that people were getting caught out of position. They didn't have someone there to cover them and that sort of thing. Well, I thought the one thing that was noticeable from last year with all the differences in our team was uh, we still tried to pressure the uh, around the pack situation and uh, we did win the the tackle count even though the tackle count overall for the for the game was down for both sides um, so I thought our, our pressure on the around that contested area uh, was sort of the, that style was noticeable but other than that there wasn't really uh, too much uh, style I mean if we if we look at individual players I thought some of the the mature players seemed a bit flat and disinterested, so to speak, like uh, uh, Monfries and Broadbent and Pittard, as an example. Uh, they just seem to be going through the, the motions. Well, that's how I sort of observed it anyway. Um, I agree I, with that. Um, I thought your, your Polek observations spot on. Uh, you know, I think for all those guys that play Dream Team, you'd think he'd have to be a bit of a bargain uh, this year, wouldn't you? And uh, he'd have to be one to get on. I think he's going to have some real exponential growth this year, especially... I think what we also forget too with the with the team that we put out there, you know, the players that will fit in our round one team are going to probably be our bottom six or bottom eight and they're going to have a lot more uh, leniency come game time with the full squad, aren't they? And yep. so they're going to they're gonna be uh, more dom- dominant in the game because they're going to have a lot less pressure. 
Um, so, I mean, that's that's only a positive. Um, yeah, but overall, the one thing I, I really struggled to pick up, and Macca, you might have noticed this a bit more, um, more played on Dangerfield uh, a bit during the game. Uh, I think as a tagger, did you did you think he was reasonably effective in that role against Dangerfield or not really? I thought Moore was definitely in our best players. Uh, I thought he was our best player in the first half. He, he slowed down a little bit after halftime. Um, yeah, I, I loved his game and I think he's going to have a ripper year this year. He looks really fit, super strong. He's, he's you know a lot stronger in his core. He's standing up in tackles. He can get the ball free now. Um I'm hoping 2014 is the year of the more, to be honest. <laughs> more, more. More, more. We want yeah. more, more. Yeah. And did you guys think that some people were a little bit critical of uh, Dom Cassisi? Dom I actually didn't think his game was worthy of that criticism, to be honest. I, I thought he was okay. I was, I was sort of looking at Cassisi not in the game in isolation, but in terms of what he's going to do for us this season. And I think there was just a couple of instances where you could just tell he's a yard pace, he's a yard off it now. I mean, I can think of one instance in particular where he had the ball, he was free and he took five steps going to deliver inside 50 and he got caught. And, yeah. and that's the kind of thing you can't carry particular with, particularly with our fast paced game plan. Um, yeah. I, I think for the position he wants to play, he's just a little bit too slow now. Yeah, but I thought that last year and his second half of the year and finals, he was still vital, I think. And I made that mistake last year too. I, I was pretty adamant he wasn't in our first 22 anymore and uh, he came good. And, yeah, I, I think we might be a little bit early uh, putting the fork in him. I think he probably starts inside the 22 or maybe thereabouts um, and, and it's really up to a couple of other players to push him out of the side. That's right. And I think he deserves that for what he's done for us as a club too. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Champion definitely. of the club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, also, I also commented uh, during the week, um, and I, I guess maybe a few people thought that I was a little bit harsh, but I thought Benny, Benny Newton might have done a little bit more possession count-wise. I think he only got 12 possessions in the end. And, uh, I mean, he was in and under quite a bit, but, you know, with our weakish midfield, I, I was hoping he might have pull, put through the, uh, pulled through to the upper teens or, or early 20s. I mean, this is his fourth year in the system now, and he should have a physically mature body, and I was hoping he might have delivered just that little bit more for us on game day. I really liked Benny Newton's uh, game on the weekend. I thought when he was involved in the play, he was very, very good. I think um, at the ground... What you'd noticed was when Wines came off the bench um, as the sub, Newton was going off and pretty well staying off for the rest of the quarters. So he spent a lot of the second and third quarter on the bench um, mm. and pretty much only had the first and fourth quarter involved in the play. Yeah, his, his okay. first quarter was very good. I had him yeah. uh, top three first quarter. Yep. Yeah. I'm um, sorry, just to go back to uh, Andy Moore, I didn't get a chance to jump in. I know I was kind of skipping around. Um, yep. The thing that I noticed about Moore's game was that with the lack of, you know, quality players we had in our midfield experience players, he definitely took on uh, Travis Boak's role. I mean, he was in and under getting the ball out, but he was also spreading so well, uh, making good position on the wings. And, you know, not only was he getting the ball out at stoppages, he was making himself dangerous as a target, which uh, I think is definitely what we hoped Moore would be, someone with a couple of strings to his bow. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely needs to add 
a bit of a sort of goal kicking sort of half forward role to his game, which he did in the under 18s. Um, if he can bring that to his AFL form, that'd be fantastic. So, are you guys buying into the theory that uh, Mr. Hinckley didn't want to expose any secrets before round two? I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I. Yeah. Whereas it was quite interesting post-game, I think it was on the Monday on that radio station we don't talk about, <laughs> um, you know, Sanderson was on and they were talking about his forward structure and he was uh, talking, you know, pretty smugly about how he was trying things because of how we set up our defence and so he was positioning his forwards to, to try and counter that and I thought it was quite interesting that he was willing to expose those strategies in a trial game whereas we were maybe we're being a little bit more conservative with what we wanted to show. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I that was a... Sorry, yeah. go, Macca. I was going to say, I guess it could bite us on the bum, really. Um, I mean, there's only really three trial games. Have we wasted a whole trial game? Who knows? I mean, we did the same thing last year against Melbourne. We, we sent out a skeleton side against them. We lost. You know, I was pretty concerned about that, and then we won by 85 points or whatever it was in round one. So... It proved not to really matter, um, but yeah, I guess we'd re- we'd really want to hope that we can uh, come to play in round two, um, and I'm I'm guessing we'll see a full side this week against Essendon. Yeah, it was um it's pretty silly of Sanderson to say that. I mean, it was pretty clear that we weren't playing any sort of proper structure or game plan compared to what we're going to be doing through the year, and it might be a bit of uh, indictment on him come round two when you know we're taking it a bit more seriously and suddenly. It's the other way around. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear we were sort of foxing a little bit. I mean, we had guys like Broadbent trying to do torpedoes from kick-ins and, you know, kicking it out on the floor <laughs> and all this sort of stuff that you just wouldn't see in a real game, really. And, I mean, to go in with, like, with a forward line with zero games experience in your key forwards, um, something like 10 games experience with your, with your key defenders um, and pretty much all your first-string midfield out, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that we were trying not to show too much to an opposition that we really, really want to beat um, early in the year. I guess we've yeah. got to always be mindful that there is a round one first before we play the Crows, um, which I think uh, might be being overlooked, certainly not internally at the club, but I think as supporters, I think we seem to have our focus on round two as opposed to round one. Sorry, uh, that's that's the thing I really... I really don't like about the preseason is the fact that we seem to get matched up against the Crows every single year. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't like the concept. I don't know if it's a cost, a cost cutting exercise by the AFL or whether, whether the clubs have to pay for the preseason games. And it's just, we've requested that, you know, both clubs have requested they play each other in the preseason. I'm not too sure, but I don't, I don't know. It sort of ruins it a little bit, to be honest. I'm not a huge fan of playing the Crows in the preseason. I don't think it's necessary, and I'd much rather us play someone that we might not see, you know, during the year, like Geelong or someone like that. Yeah, or even a bogey side. I mean, I know it's preseason; you can't really request fixtures, but it'd be good to, you know, put ourselves up against someone that we've struggled against the last few years. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm sort of over the the Crows in the preseason, but I guess they did it with West Coast and. Frio as well, so I'm probably with you, Macca. It's probably a bit of a uh, a uh, cost-saving uh, exercise. And I guess with the forwards, uh, I guess it might have been a bit of an opportunity to have given 
butcher a run in that game with no other key forwards, but obviously they were managing his workload. Yeah. I mean, Hinkley did say after the internal trial that they would be resting every player throughout the pre-season. It's just they've done that in the one game, really. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on to the best players. Uh, Noobs, who were your best players for the day? Uh, I think, uh, for me, Pollock and Moore were definitely the two standouts. I mean, how good is it going to be seeing Jared Pollock when we've got the full-strength midfield around him? I mean, we were talking about all the tackles he's laid, but I think when you've got... Wines, Boke, Ebert, etc. Um, Pollock's definitely going to be outside for our team, especially with that left boot. And it's going to be so good seeing him with a bit more freedom and less responsibility. And, yeah, the thing I really noticed was he's such a hard runner and he loves creating one-twos um, and getting involved in the play. Yeah. And I think with, with the game plan we had last year, I don't know whether it's going to change, but you need players that want to keep creating option after option, keep running and getting handballs. Um, and more, he's he's just become such a beast. He's huge, and he's got so much strength through the core now. And the player he is really reminding me of, just from what little I've seen so far this season, is David Mundy. I mean, you see Mundy week after week stand up in tackles and get first use and really create around stoppages. And I I think more can be that. But as you said, I'd like to see him put a bit more of a effect on the scoreboard and you know really hurt teams going forward. But I think the last couple of years he's definitely been used with opposition players in mind and he's had specific roles. Um, so hopefully he gets a bit more freedom this season. Yep. I've got to agree. I had Pollock best on ground. Uh, he had 20 touches, five tackles, five inside 50s and a goal assist. Um, some of his kicks were just incredible uh, to the leading forwards. Um, Ollie Wines had a very underrated game, I thought. He had 20 touches in just over 40% game time which is pretty incredible. Uh, Moore was fantastic. He had six clearances, six tackles, and four inside 50s. So a really good, well-rounded game there. I thought Tommy Logan was probably the best of the experienced bunch. Um, he showed, obviously, his normal desperation across half-back and used the ball pretty well. And Paul Stewart up forward kicked uh, two goals and was pretty much our only sort of quasi-toll uh, target that was doing anything up there. Um, Rick, how did you see it, mate? Who were your best players? Well, I don't know what game you guys were watching, but I thought Jasper Pittard was just clearly best on ground. <laughs> uh, sorry, I couldn't help myself. You know I'm a fan. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> but no, look, it's hard to disagree. I, I thought Wines was uh, massively influential when he was on for the limited periods. Um, I'd put him right up there with, uh, uh, with Pollock and Moore. Um, the other one that stood out for me, we, we caught my eye, uh, was, was Tom Cleary. Uh, I liked I liked his positioning and I also liked what he was doing. Um, I definitely don't think he's got a, a a big tall defender frame though, or the way that he played. But um, yeah, I, I, he really uh, caught my attention. Uh, um, not in the best players, I guess. Matt White, he's probably one of those players where uh, again I was probably a little bit underwhelmed, but I, I think he showed enough that if, if he was in the best 22. Um, he wouldn't cop as much attention and he'd be able to use that speed. But he's, I guess you guys would have noticed it more at the game, but he's, he's if you were there, uh, yep. he's pretty fast, isn't he? Yeah. Um, Matt White, I think, is someone that doesn't need, you know, 20-plus disposals to have an impact. Um, if he gets his 15 touches, a couple of goals each week, and, you know, it's a bit of a nuisance, I think that's definitely a role that he could play in the side. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's I right. Think, uh, I think with Matt White, it probably wasn't 
his best day, and I think we couldn't have expected it to be a, a great performance by him. I don't think he's ever going to be that sort of player that has to lead the team, which he almost had to do. You know, he was probably the second or third most experienced player out there for us. Mm. Uh, and I don't think we really got him for that sort of job. Um, with all the other players around him, with all the better midfielders and, and small forwards out there, I think we'll see a lot more from him um, yeah. and performing much better. Um, I do like the Tommy Cleary, Cole. He was probably my best of the young guys. I thought he had a bit of a shaky start, uh, but really put it back together and used the ball pretty well. And I mean, he, he's fairly quick uh, for a tall guy, and I do like his size. I think... Um, yeah, he does need an, another couple of years in the gym. I think there's a really good core footballer out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, someone else whose game I rated and hasn't been mentioned yet was uh, young Sam Colhoun. I mean, he's still yeah a little bit undersized, but in terms of his natural game and his instincts, he's definitely someone that fits perfectly into our game plan. He just he provides such good options coming out of back fifty, getting in great positions, um, and I think he's definitely going to be in the future, a great wingman for us rather than in the back 50. Yeah. I, I definitely thought he, he played further up the ground than we saw him play last year. He was playing more through the middle um, and kicking it, you know, further in the first half of the ground. And, and I really did enjoy his game on the weekend. I think he's going to be a great player for our footy club. Um, really looking forward to see how he develops and, and whereabouts he might fit in in round one, whether he's actually in the side or maybe an emergency or just out. Thanks for uh, hijacking my best players there, fellas. That's uh, <laughs> that's all good. That's, that's all right. right. What about uh, some of the other young guys? I thought uh, Amon did pretty well. Um, you got to talk about. Player. You got to talk about Flynn. Oh, Flynn, he was fantastic. Mm. He, he made look. I, he, he probably ended up doing one bad thing for every good thing he did. But it's just that again, it's that core footballer that's there. There's that raw potential. He was so damn quick and so aggressive in in taking the game on and mm. taking the opposition on. He showed quite a bit of mongrel. What about um, his body shape? I love he's a it. Big, I think he's a, he's oh, yeah. a big boy. He is a huge boy. He's a yeah. he's a big natural modern footballer. I, I didn't yeah, actually expect type. that. I think when you look at uh, some of the other. Irish lads that have come into the AFL, they sort of start off pretty pretty light um, mm. and have had to work into an AFL-sized body. But Flinney's already got that. You know, he's got that body there. He just needs to improve his football now. So obviously we've got to be very patient with that. It's going to come in time. might take a year. It might take two years. But I think definitely there's a footballer there. Yeah, I was really it's... excited about his game. Yeah, it's not just his his body size that's the difference. Irish players tend to be a little bit timid as well. Um, and he just he was just taking the game on and trying to break tackles and getting in and under. It was just great to watch. Yeah, well, I mean, he's people, got the package. Yeah, people seem to forget that he's it was only his third, you know, competitive proper hit out of AFL footy in his life. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> but I mean, you look at it though. For his third game, he's got the body size. He's got the fitness. And I thought his skills was actually very, very clean uh, when you compare it to, say, Jarman Impey, who's who I was going to mention in a sec anyway. Uh, but um, his skills were actually quite impressive for a three-game player. Uh, so really, he's got all the attributes. He just If he can learn his uh, uh, positioning and his temperament for the game, I think he's going to go places. Yeah. I think watching the after-match video uh, interview of him on the website... 
I think this was the best thing we could have done with him, throwing him in there, giving him a taste of what it takes to be an AFL player. Because he, he looked absolutely rooted at the end of the game and was really, really surprised by the pace of the game. And I think that's probably a good thing that we've done in, in exposing him to that early so he knows what he has to improve on to get there. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, the main the main thing that he really would have picked up and really noticed was definitely your awareness in the game of AFL. Um, and that's the one thing that he's going to get after game after game after game is yeah. is knowing where other players are, knowing the lines to run, knowing when to get rid of the ball. And yeah, that would have been something he really picked up on, I think. Yeah. So the draftees, they were all out there. Um, Carl Amon was probably the best for mine. I thought he... He played a nice little role, um, very, very quick, used the ball pretty well, maybe a little bit uh, fumbly at times, but he looks like he could have a bit of an impact this year. Yeah, I think Amon and both MP, I'll lump them in together. They're, you can definitely see where our drafting has gone. They're just the perfect players to play the Ken Hinckley game style. Um, I don't know, I don't see them getting games early, but I think they're players that will thrive under the one club and you know, having, you know, Port Adelaide Power assistant coaches, um, you know, watching your Magpie games and training them, they're definitely going to be players that are going to thrive with our game plan and with our environment. They're just such, they're such smart runners and um, excellent at creating options. Their disposal was a bit iffy at times, but, you know, that can be forgiven considering it was their first game and they didn't have much leadership around them. Yep. Oh, yeah, look, um, I don't know. I didn't see as much a name on as... Is what you're saying, but um, I did start drifting there for a little bit. Um, you know, it was getting a bit tired watching us getting flogged by the crows. It's never a pleasurable thing. But uh, look, Jarman Impey, um, I thought he, he caught my eye. I thought, again, I thought his positioning was quite good and he's a smooth mover. And uh, I can't remember the poster who pointed out about his uh, ball drop. Uh, I think it might have been power stuff, but um, I think that's a, a very good observation. If we can just fix up his ball drop and, and get those kicking skills, I don't know he might have been nervous, um, you know, but he looks like he can be a good player for us uh, in the future, I reckon. Yep. Yeah, I, I think with ball drop, I mean, he's just got to kick within himself. You look at someone like Kane Corns, he's got the ugliest ball drop I've ever seen, but his, ball, his kicking is quite efficient because he just kicks within himself. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, that uh, that pretty much sums up the the match against the Crows on the weekend. Um, we'll move on to the game against Essendon, which is next Tuesday in Victoria. Um, what, if anything, can we take out of how we played on the weekend, and how is that going to affect how we play against Essendon? Is there much we can take out of this game? Um, I'm really sure there is. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a completely different team, I would imagine. I, I would say the the weakest players will probably drop out, and obviously, uh, I would imagine we'd probably be putting at least ten of our uh, first team into that side, um, you know, and which should make us uh, a lot more competitive, I would hope. And I guess we're going to probably find that, as I was stating earlier, in the contested uh, situation, a lot of pressure on the ball carrier, which is what we tried to do last year. And uh, I wonder if we'll uh, drop those couple of extra defenders back um, uh, from the wing into defence and, and start playing that uh, more eight-man defence and try and do the slingshot run. Um, I think the two things I'm definitely excited about are seeing an actual game plan and where we're headed this year and if there's any changes in it. 
Um, and with that, definitely our fitness levels. Um, I know Burjo at the end of last season, or even the start of last season, was talking about how it was going to be so much more this season than last season, and they were building towards it. So I'm excited to see how our players run out games, but with that comes stuff like um, disposal. I mean, when you're fitter, you're not puffing as much, your legs aren't as struggling as much, your disposal's going to improve, and, yeah, there's all sorts of side effects. So I'm excited to see that as well. Yeah, I definitely want to see the first team in action. Uh, get all the regulars out there again, uh, especially the forward line. I want to see Butcher and Westhoff and Schultz in there together, um, seeing how we can go with the three-man tall forward line especially with Wingard and Gray um, and obviously Monfries who played on the weekend out there. Um, I want to see plenty of confidence and run, um, take the game on, uh, see how our fitness goes. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it from me. I, I'm really looking forward to see how we go um, with our first group out there. That's uh, the main thing for me, I guess. Yeah, um, I quite like getting Essendon as well with our first hit out because they do play a very similar game style to us, and it is going to be a bit more open and run. So it's going to be quite an exciting game to watch for Port fans, I think. Yep. Look, we want to be really competitive in these last two games, don't we? I mean, I mean, it's a key indicator. If you're competitive in the in the trial games, it's going to flow through into uh, into the season. So, you know, you'd be hoping the last trial game we're really starting with a full, almost a full 22 unless there's some injuries and we should be getting close to it with Essendon and, uh, you know, I'd be disappointed if if we're getting some big margins against us again. I'd be hoping we're pushing really hard. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just uh, briefly, has anyone watched any of the other games on so far this year? Uh, I've sort of been keeping track of it. Um, I mean, you've got to take anything with a grain of salt, but the one thing I have noticed is that we're the only side that has really gone in with a skeleton team. Every other team looking at you know the team list and how they've gone, all their quality top-line core players all got a good run this weekend. Yep. Well, not weekend, the week. Frio. Frio should have gone in with a skeleton side because I think they took in a depressed side, didn't they? Yeah, I think Frio went in with a pretty experienced lineup. I just don't think they cared at all about the result, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, that was, yeah, I mean, it was actually pretty shocking for mine. I mean, I've been a West Australian, I saw a fair bit of it in the aftermath and stuff. And, I mean, I think Frio fans looking at their side actually had quite a lot of expectation for the game. And, yeah, it was just a weird sort of result. Yeah. I guess the Hawthorne and Brisbane game was the other huge, uh, huge margin. Uh, Brisbane with a lot of young kids in that side. Um, they were probably going half pace as well. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that was a really good look for Brisbane with uh, how they're situated at the moment. Uh, yeah, there are, there are sort of parallels between, you know, the side Brisbane fielded in our own. And I think the difference is definitely in the scoreline for our younger players. I mean, they weren't at all disgraced, um, or well, not disgraced, but... I mean, you'd, you'd be feeling pretty down about yourself being a Brisbane youngster at the moment. Yeah. And Gold Coast, are they showing something that they might be on the way up? Oh, I think uh, I think they'll go very, very close to making the finals this year. I've got them finishing eighth, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're definitely on the way up. Well, a few people observe that um, Sam Day's starting to uh, look a bit more... AFL uh, size and fitness. Well, I guess he'd be 22 now and uh, fourth year in the system. So, yep. Mm, it'll be exciting. Sounds about right. Yep. 
get him on our trade target list for 2015? Yeah, yeah. Well, off right butcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a uh, pretty pretty big trade target list now. I mean, you got Ace, you got Mays, you got May. I'd still like to get uh, Brody Smith from the Crows. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you look the at city. what's happened in terms of big footy over the last couple of weeks with the jumper saga. Imagine if Smith jumps sides. Oh, my God. They'd probably ask for Wingard. That's the only problem. Yeah, they tried to tell us that uh, Smith was of Wingard's quality as well. Mm. <laughs> there would be no probably about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's it for this podcast. Um Thanks for coming on, Noobs All. It's great to talk to you again. Yeah, no worries, boys. Thanks for having us on. I'm looking forward to maybe having a crack later on in the season. Absolutely. Good Absolute work. Pleasure. Uh, Rick, a pleasure as always. No dramas, mate. No jokes for me next week. Any fishing tips? Yeah, don't run your own business because uh, you never have any time <laughs> to go fishing and it's actually depressing. And don't yep. play with sharks. Don't play with sharks. That's and the, actually, I've got to say, it's a little bit political, this one, but I just thought it was very, very predictable. Um, you know, when we had that unfortunate incident last week with the teacher being taken by a shark, that the Adelaide media was going to come out instantly and, and just go, we should be copying Western Australia with their shark policy. Um, you know, we... Can't we just be original at some stage and let's face the facts that we're in their terrain and if we're going to do that and we're going to deplete their food stocks, they're going to look for different options. There you go. That's my round. Don't get me started on the shark thing. We'll be here for another hour. <laughs> oh, dear. And well done again, Macca. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, cheers, Macca. Another good one. Nice one. All right, guys. Go to the power. All right. Bye-bye. See you later. Ciao. So few have done for so long. They've taken the biggest scalp in footy. Bruce, there'll be a bit of noise here in a minute. They could get second spot still. They're a final four chance now. The colossus of the game has been beaten. It's the best win this club has ever had.